people deluded i'm back again i hope you're all doing well and safe whoever you are wherever you are welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the people's podcast the really and truly podcast i've seen you lot call it a bunch of different things and poke fun at me and words i use frequently but it's all love it's all in jest it's all in good spirits i hope you're all in good spirits speaking of that i hope you've all got your health and i know a lot of you listen to me all over the world i try to bring this out in the morning time so i'm sure a lot of you over in the uk you're either on your daily commute you're logging in to your laptop working from home you're looking after the kids you're sweeping up you know you're doing what you need to do if you're anywhere else in the world you might be just waking up to this you know what better way to wake up you know some of you are in a mad time zone so what better way to wake up than consistent deluded content either way however you're taking this in thank you very much for doing such please make sure you're you know you're subscribed on youtube you're following me across all the other streaming platforms um i obviously i i'm I'm a spotify guy so i'm gonna always say spotify first if you've got apple if you've got google if you're one of them freeloaders and you're doing up the anchor fair play to you however you're getting it just take it in do your bit to help the dg message and brand improve and whatnot now Obviously, I like to bring these out on a Monday, but there was Monday football. There was Wolves versus Southampton, and there was also another game that's eluded me, and it will come back to me. I'm sure you've all seen over the weekend, it's a Mazza. Let's skip straight into it and talk about my team, because I want to get this out of the way. Arsenal nil, Leeds United nil. On the face of it, if you offered that to me before the game, I would have taken a point, you know, the way Arsenal's playing. That being said, it's disappointing. Obviously, the fact that we was down to 10 men, the fact that we had to um, defend for 40, well, play basically for 40, 45 minutes, down to 10 men, obviously, you know, and the amount of efforts Leeds had that goal, I think they had 24 shots and I think they've got to kick themselves for not putting it in the back of the net. But of course, it's a point gained. But I also feel it's two points dropped slash whatever you want to call it because I, I feel like against Leicester, I mean Villa, um, at home, we just didn't look like a team, you know. For the first 20 minutes, we looked half all right, so let me not lie. But the last 15 minutes of that first half, we was lucky to not be 2-3-4 down, you know. I couldn't believe it. We were too easy... Um, we were too easy to be got at in the attack in the counter-attacking transition. There was too many gaps. Players had no ideas. You never got the vibe of we've been working on something in training all week. Individually, players did not stand up to be counted. It's as simple as that. You lot have seen all my YouTube content and you see my thoughts in relation to this game at length. At, 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 at base level... Um, I think Arteta let us down historically, you know, what he's what he's been doing or lack of attacking patterns of play and all of these sort of things. They were highlighted in that game like other games, you know, he hasn't had too long after after the international break. Players have also been tired. Obviously, you can see our lack of creativity in our midfield personnel. Thomas Partey and El Nene is probably our best partnership or pivot in terms of in-form, but it's not the most expansive partnership. And yesterday, well, Saturday, Sunday, apologies, you, you also saw highlighted of that. You know, players had no clue. Statistically, players barely passed to each other in the middle of the park. Courtesy of the Twitter account, Albino, he does a lot of good um, statistics for Opta. If you look at it, people, you know, to highlight our, our ineffective front three. And listen, Aubameyang needs to, Aubameyang is the only reason he's not informed. We can't keep going into games saying, oh, he hasn't got, he hasn't had chances created for him. He's this, that and the other. You know, all of these just sound like excuses. They are legitimate reasons. But at some level, you know, the player has to take accountability for his poor form. But, you know, in terms of creativity, it's highlighted game in, game out. And when you look at it, 
Saka came on in the second half and hopefully he's not injured. But he completed three more passes to Aubameyang in the game against Leeds than William Pepe and Joe Willett combined. Is it any coincidence, you know, Aubameyang looked a bit better with, with Saka? And I mean, that's highlights to Saka. It's also testament to how underperforming Pepe's doing, how, you know, how raw Will Joe Willock is and how unready he is and just how underwhelming William is really and truly, you know. The link between midfield and attack has been non-existent all season, also highlighted in that game. Granite Xhaka completed zero passes to Joe Willock and just three to Danny Ceballos. Joel Willett didn't complete a single pass to Xhaka and completed just two to Ceballos and none to Aubameyang. So while I think these players are headless chickens and they were underwhelming, this shows you tactically the players have no clue of what they're supposed to be doing. Or if they do have a clue and they're not able to do it, Arteta needs to clip them. Or if he's legitimately trying to instill attacking parts of play and things like that and they're not taking it in, you have to question the IQ of the players and if they're able to absorb and retain information no player stood up to be counted I don't think William should be at this club I don't think William should have started but he had a chance to defend his manager because it's got to the point like I keep saying you know Arteta looks stupid for 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 you know, keeping William in the team. There's been the Dubai stuff. There's been underwhelming performances. So if I'm William, back your manager with a good performance. He didn't do that and he was clipped at halftime. We heard it was due to a muscular problem, which could be legitimate. Personally, I think it's because he was poor. Obviously, Pepe, he's been frustrated about not playing. He's been hard done by. We've all questioned with William's form, why is Pepe not getting a look in? I still think he should. But if he ha if he's not playing any more football and has to wait his time, you can't, you can't blame Arteta. You know, it's a needless sending off. And it highlights his immaturity on the field, you know, and how and his lack of elevate, evolving, you know. You look at all of these players in the Premier League that are creative players or attacking players. You don't think Zaha and Jack Grealish get kicked every week, you know. You don't think Kevin De Bruyne is not getting kicked. You don't think Raheem Sterling, Son, Kane, definitely Harry Kane, in fact. Um Richarlison, you know, all of these players, they get kicked, they get on with it. Of course, you you know, it's a moment of madness, of course, but that's been brewing. Pepe has that in him, you know. He's been fortunate to get away with that. And that shows me that you're not able to put the collective before your own ego because in that incident where you saw red, you didn't see the fact of your team needs to win after bottling it before the international break and are going into a tough run of fixtures. You just saw your personal pride and, yeah, you hit him in his thing and he exaggerated and you're out of there, you know. You're missing three games now and you know with every, if we go and beat Wolves and the the wingers play well you could say William um, Pepe who if we go and lose to Spurs it's oh what we're missing with Pepe he let himself down if and but and all of these things you know I uh, listen Pepe has to hold his hands up and at the end of the, end of the day that is always going to become the main talking point you know but I don't agree with scapegoating him I, I agree in holding him to account and making him face the music I don't agree with you know, the logic of, you know, all this rhetoric that we was ever in this game. That when we was in it, when we had 11 men, we didn't look any better than score to, to, to score a goal when Pepe was on the field. So we need to look at what we did poorly prior to that red card. And obviously, when you look at it, we you know, there was a bit of grit and determination, but it's firmly points dropped. I heard how we were begging to play another game after Aston Villa. You know, we had that sort of clear in your head um, with the international break, you know, and we didn't come back and show any hunger. They still look like they're on holiday mode. 
old people, really and truly. Leeds lost back-to-back games, conceding eight goals. You're telling me it's a coincidence that Arsenal never never had any shots of note? I can't tell you a real save that keeper had to make and didn't score. You know, Leeds played like a team that were tired of losing back-to-back games. Leeds looked like a team that their players were dwelling on those two back-to-back defeats all international break and they wanted to put it right. And they should be kicking themselves they never scored. But again... Arsenal is reactive, you know. Is it any coincidence we looked better after going a goal down with the game with Leeds and they're taking it to us? Because we know what we have to do. We're trying to defend for our lives. We, you know, we don't start games well because we're never proactive and it's the same old same old in relation to Arsenal really and truly and I would say you know as much as I have sympathy for Arteta you know his self false sense of security with over these players you know has let him down I, I do think he done all he could to bring an hour and the board let him down but you know I do think with the form some of these players are going in it's a false sense of security because if it wasn't, you would have made sure a creative midfielder of some profile was here. You know, you saw Danny Sabayos. I got a lot of love for Danny Sabayos, but he's pl- he's playing in immature areas. Jacker is just not up to task. You know, there's a significant drop off with both players. And when I look at it, those two midfielders, Joe Willock, I, I feel a bit more sympathy because he was poor, but you know. He needs his hand held. You're looking around the team. There's more adv- advanced players playing like, playing like headless chickens. And at least he's had not had too many opportunities. You look at Xhaka, you look at Sabayas, you look at William, Pepe to a degree. You lot have played significantly. All of you lot started that game and should have had a reason to play a 10 out of 10 performance and make Arteta's selection difficult in the future. You all had chances, you know, due to injuries and whatnot, opportunities are arising in the squad. Hopefully, Reese Nelson, who had, a, I felt, you know, he needs to work on his deliveries from set pieces, but had an encouraging game when he came on, can take advantage. I'm hoping to God Saka's injury is not serious. And the same obviously goes for William because it's a squad game. We're going to need every man of the 25 man. It doesn't appear Arsenal are learning from their mistakes. And it is what it is. And it is quite frustrating sitting on this podcast or doing my YouTube content where we've won, lost or drawn, I'm saying the same things. I said the same things despite the fact that we got away with it in the second half against Sheffield United, a last-minute Nketiah winner against West Ham. You know, I've spoken about this at length. It's only when we lose and we get negative performances that people want to consider things for what they are. We have not played well all season. You know, I'll give or take the Fulham game. And with respect, you know, it, Fulham is a game we should be winning. Fulham, you know, Fulham are the one team in the league, but Demon Sheffield right now, significantly bit worse than us. We haven't looked spot on all season. Yeah, you can draw some positives where Arsenal might not have lost 10-0 and they lost 1-0, depending on how you look at it. It's a bit of a madness. And, you know, for Arteta, um, and to be fair, when you look at, Pepe's, it was a flashpoint. When you look at Enketia, it was VAR, I believe, as was um, Abamian's. But since Mikel Arteta has joined, the Gunners have received five Premier League red cards, at least two more than any other club. David Luiz has two, Abamian, Enketia and Pepe all have one apiece, people. Um... As you lot know, I don't need to remind you lot, Arsenal have scored just nine goals in this season's Premier League. It's their lowest points tally after nine games for any start to the season since 1986-87, where we scored six goals. We're also over seven hours without a goal from open play. And again, these are all down to the players, but fundamentally the buck stops with Arteta. He's been under here a year now, let's say 11 months, and you know... If there's two things now, if the team isn't reflecting what you want to do, I know he still needs time and it's a process and stuff, but if you're 10, 10 months into the job and we still don't see your blueprint and stuff, you're doing something wrong. You know, you, re- you really are. You know, you're doing something wrong. That's very concerning. And the lack of attacking play. The moment he came in, he knew, you know, 
there was problems defensively and in attacking sense. Clearly, the priority was defensively. You saw it, yes, last season. We started putting runs together. There was a bit more grit and determination. Dare I say, I was complacent. I thought, you know what, that's the priority. Uh, the way Arteta's speaking and, you know, his CV, both playing and coaching so far, suggests when he can, there'll be attacking play. And I still have hope for that. The way he speaks about it, you know, he seems that he's very scared and nervous with these players. I don't feel he trusts any one of them. I think when he gets better players, we might see a bit more expensive but to a degree I can only work with what I'm seeing and you know you've still improved us defensively to the point where I could see when you get Gabriel or a bit more people that are with Gabriel and Tierney's level of thinking and a competent other centre-half there'll be an improvement I don't know if he was to sign Messi Neymar you know prime Suarez MSN in their peak if we're going to score a lot of goals you know because I'm not seeing patterns of play I'm not seeing anything and as poor as these players are as I said people it's no coincidence on earth that not a single Arsenal attacking player is thriving with exception to Bakayo Saka once again that's not necessarily down to the manager the players have to take responsibility because there's not too many players excelling at Arsenal Football Club but at the same time that is a byproduct of Arteta and Arteta's handbrake as much as I like thinking about the other team and being defensive you've got to worry about the threat you've got and even if whatever you say about Bami and Pepe Lacazette and the rest of them attacking scoring goals shouldn't be our issue should not be our issue. I know Lacazette isn't prolific. Pepe's hot and cold. William definitely isn't prolific, bar a season or two at Chelsea. Aubameyang's the only one. You know, you've got Saka and Martinelli who are promising numbers might not do them justice. We should be giving problems to the opposition, you know. Them Leeds defenders, they should have expected to be in a long day. A long day. They've conceded eight goals in two games, around 17 goals or so in the Premier League all season. They ship goals. They should have been expecting something. Instead, we were toothless. Instead, you've not this game with exception because he changed the formation. He went with a bad man through the middle, you know, with William. The only thing you could say, you know, we're not shooting. You don't shoot, you don't score. I go back to the Villa game or the Leicester game. Johnny Evans, you know, he's losing his legs a bit. You know, he was ran doggied against Liverpool. He's losing his legs a bit for obvious reasons. He's getting on. If I'm if I'm away to Arsenal and they've got a Bamian who's shown since he signed that he's a prolific goal scorer, they're chasing the game. He's playing as a left winger and he's crossing the ball for Bakayo Saka, half my size. I'm laughing, you know. These are all, these, at, at some point, these have to become byproducts of what Arteta is doing on the coaching ground. We can't keep saying he needs time, he needs time. We need to see building blocks. I'm not saying to sack Arteta. I'm, I still retain faith in him until he shows me something dramatically off. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't hold a man to account. And there's definitely more questions than answers. Last season, Arteta was answering a lot. This year, as poor as the players are, he's posing his own questions. And I know he's inexperienced, but he needs to learn fast and quickly, people. Um enough about Arsenal man enough about Arsenal it pains me I say enough about Arsenal do I really want it to be done you know you all saw you know credit where due um, I'm scared of the North London derby to come Spurs did a complete performance on, on City I heard Pep Guardiola whining about we had 80% possession we had all this that and the other which is true but you never took three points and what do you expect Spurs to do you know obviously you look at the last couple of defeats City have had teams have got at them I wouldn't say Spurs really got at them. I wouldn't really say they sat back. Obviously, Spurs, they've brought in some signings and they've got good players, you know, but man to a man, they're not going to be able to play City off the park. I know they've got a good result against City. Um, they always perform. Remember in the last podcast, I told you lot Spurs were going to win. Not that I'm happy it happened, people, for obvious reasons, but I knew Spurs would do something, you know. They firmly pooed on Pep Guardiola's new new, new contract parade. 
I think it was fantastic gameplay. I think when Spurs had possession, they got at Liverpool. Um, man said Liverpool. They got at City. They put moves together. Obviously, you know, all them Spurs players knew it was an all maps to the pump thing. You know, you're seeing at times Kane playing like a defensive mid, 11 men behind the ball. Like I said, I felt when Spurs could play, they tried to play. They weren't just booting it in hot potato. There was periods in the second half. I did feel Spurs' legs began to tire and it did look like they would concede. But, you know, it's a fantastic performance. You know, Jose Mourinho, you know, classic Jose Mourinho performance on a team like Pep Guardiola. He's brought on a sub who scored in a couple of seconds. I think Ndombele looked good. Obviously, Son made the difference. Kane put in a shift. Both of those players are in my fantasy, so they got points for me. Fantastic performance from Spurs. Obviously, VAR denied Gab Hezes. Thought it was harsh, but it is what it is. I think Sissoko and Hoiberg, you've got to give them credit as well. They also done a lot of defensive work. Man to a man for Spurs, they did what they needed to do. Edison's a quality keeper, but I think when you look at both those goals, again, definitely the first, he has to ask himself questions because if he stays on his line, Son probably doesn't score. He probably makes a save. It's probably a dramatic moment, but you've made Son's mind up and someone as clinical as, as Son, he's not going to make a mistake from there. So is what it is. For City, it's the same old, same old people. They're an open book. I felt City were given a bit too much space. I felt they're not as aggressive in the press as they were and they are declining and Pep needs to revamp stuff. And it's serious question marks on Pep Guardiola really, really and truly. Like 70 minutes, 70, he, fair enough, they made a sub in 71 minutes, but 70 minutes, they're 2-0 down and nothing changed. Pep Guardiola is creating, you know, they're creating a lot, but they're, you know, they're still not as aggressive. They're still quite predictable. They'll pass you off the park. They can talk about it goals and teams sitting back but Jose Mourinho's team are sitting top on uh, uh, well they were top after winning this I think they're level with Chelsea or Liverpool sitting now I don't know um you know they get the three points they get a clean sheet fantastic performance man to a man you know and Spurs, considering, you know, they've welcomed... They've been doing a number over the Manchester clubs. They've battered United 6-1. You know what they were on in their last game against City, obviously the 2-0. We've got to fix up against Wolves. We've got to get three points against Wolves. And this Spurs game, boy, you know, Doug, you can't see anything other than the Spurs win right now. I want to be wrong, but, you know, for the one thing about football, it's not one on paper. You know, you have to play a game of football. North London derbies typically form goals out of the window, but... If we were to play tomorrow, Spurs would probably hit Arsenal for six, for six or seven, to put it nicely. And I'm just here as an Arsenal fan on a shameless one when my friends are gassing it up. I'm just saying you ain't got no trophies, you ain't got no trophies, and that's going to end soon for them and there. You know, statistically, um, Spurs had four shots on goal to 22 um, just 33% possession and had all 11 players, as you lot know, spending the majority of the 90 minutes in their own half. Harry Kane has provided nine assists in the league this season, more than any other player. Just last season, he had um, he had just eight, assi eight assists, people. Oh, well, apologies, I've messed it up. Kane had provided just eight assists in his previous three league campaigns. You know, so he's showing an evolution and Kane's always done that. He's always had more to his game than goals. Kane's the perfect example of what I mean by being a striker is a double-edged sword. Ultimately, you're going to be judged on goals. You know, you could talk about Giroud, who's okay in terms of scoring goals. Lacazette, who's all right in the squad. You know, Heskey was a good player. Um, didn't wasn't as prolific as he got on a bit. You know, um, when then when he was slightly younger. But you know how there's these strikers. You know, more more so four four two days that make players play better and things. You know, there's only so good you can be as a striker without 
being a what I like to call 20 league minimum striker. You know, you can have the general play, you can have the big games, you can have the pressing, but if you're not scoring goals, you can only be so good. Kane's got the goals and also the double-edged sword is you need to be able to affect the game or do something when you're not scoring. And Harry Kane does that in abundance. You you know, he scores, he assists, he drops deep, he wins fouls, complete player. And for me, Harry Kane is scary in the sense of, I know he probably made his Spurs debut at 18, but it took him a while to really break in that squad. It's almost like he was like a new signing because he was sort of unknown. He was on the cusp of things for a year, um, for years, and he got his chance on the Shearwood and then Pochettino. I think he scored a free kick against Villa and he's gone on. My point being, it's not a thing where, you know, Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane, they're probably up there for all sorts of goal scoring stats. And it's not a thing where either of them was like Marcus Rashford, where, you know, you've been playing since 18 in the league. Where would they be then? You know, it's quite scary. And Kane's just going to get better and better. You know, I, I'm, I've seen him linked with Manchester City in the papers yesterday. At his age, maybe there's something to consider. But with Jose Mourinho, you probably want to see this campaign out, see what it's got. I don't want to be, I hope it doesn't happen and I don't want to be that guy. But Spurs, if they carry on, could look to achieve something very special this season. Um, for what it's worth, Lo Celso scored just 35 seconds after coming on as a substitute, which is the quickest goal by a sub in, in the Premier League since Bernardo Silva versus Brighton in August last year after 17 seconds. You know, I'm pretty sure Spurs didn't pay £60 million for three Premier League assists from Tunga and Dombile, but all three of his Premier League assists have been in three different games, all against Manchester City. And he's the only other, he's the only other player in the Premier League in history to record as many as three assists um, um, against the same the same team against um, he goes there with a certain David Santon who used to play for Inter Milan and Newcastle that was against Chelsea also with three um, you know Son Heung-min is and is it seems to enjoy playing against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City only Jamie Vardy with nine has scored more than um, more goals against Pep Guardiola's Man City than Son with six so it's there's a lot of development to be done for Manchester City and going back to the drawing board it's Champions League or it's European football this week so you can't afford to feel sorry for yourselves now Liverpool you know, a lot was made last season of Laporte's injury and how much that derailed City. And I said it shouldn't have been an excuse to lose out on the league by 20 points. Again, it's a long season. But look at Liverpool. How many injuries have they had? They've had the Gomez's, the Van Dijk's, Fabinho, who played well at centre-half, has had a, had an injury. Matip, who also played well, has had an injury. You know, Alisson's had a knock. Trent is currently out. Nico Williams stepped in. Before I forget, shout-out to Curtis Jones, people. Absolute baller. You know, for me, you look at Curtis Jones, Jamal Musiala, Yunus Musa, Angel Gomez. You know, I don't think they're going to make the, the World Cup 22 side. Um, I would like to see Musa and, and Jamal Musiala, but these names I've just listed, people, these are people you're looking at in relation to England and beyond. I genuinely feel Curtis Jones is 18 months away from being called up to England. You know, he can play out wide, he can play as a 10. For me, he's got that Grealish factor about him as well. I'm not comparing him to Grealish. What I mean by that is, you know, I've seen people with the ability and the trickery of both these players not succeed because, you know, as a fullback, you're looking for these things like Sunday League. If I see a, a winger's got a ability, and he can beat me and he's got skills I'm clamping him I'm kicking him up I'm trying to discourage him from doing that Grealish and Jones they've got that confidence like they've got to be careful it doesn't border on cockiness but they've got that attitude like if they get kicked they're going to like Jack Wilshere before his injuries 
they're going to go again. They've got that X factor. And I think that's that's the thing I love the most about Curtis Jones. He's got that mentality. He's got the technical, he's got like Spanish technical ability. And then like his personality, you can see a man's from Liverpool. Do you get what I mean, people? It's crazy. You know, Liverpool, are, you know, they're showing the mark of champions and it's a crazy season. And there's not, I don't want to go too far saying leagues are one and this and that, but you can't look past Liverpool. Mad injuries. You're not seeing a significant drop off. You know, for me, Hoiberg, Gabriel, um, off the top of my head, and Diego Jota, they've got to all be up there for signings of the Premier League season, all signed for penny, pennies relative to their clubs, respectively. Jota is like he's always been at Liverpool. You know, it's like he was sick at Wolves, but it's like, where's this guy always been to this higher level? You know, many people thought he was going to be a squad player at, at Liverpool, myself potentially included, but he solidified himself. We've seen hat-tricks in Champions Leagues. We've seen a bag of goals and he loves life at Anfield, people. As you can see, you know, he continued his brilliant start to life at Liverpool. He's got his fourth goal in his fourth home league game. And the only sad thing is that none of that has been done in front of fans. Brendan Rodgers has been enhancing his reputation since he left Liverpool, but when he plays against Liverpool, he's lost all three as Leicester manager people, conceding nine goals in the process, most, more than any other opponent. Liverpool, you've got to give credit to their home form. Fair enough, we did beat we did beat them in the Cat Yarabel, but generally, they're very crazy, you know. They've gone in the top flight. They're now unbeaten in 64 home games, people, winning 53 and drawing 11. That's their longest run in the club's history. And that sums up everything. Before you talk about ability of Liverpool and how great the manager is, which I'm not disregarding, but what does that tell me? Consistency. You know, when you talk, we can talk about Klopp and how he's revolutionised Liverpool and the players, they're all legitimate. But when we look at the macro, consistency. A team live or die by consistency. And Liverpool have been consistent for the right reasons. That's why, you know, year in year they're getting better and they're doing good things. You know, you can't help but admire it when you look at things from a neutral perspective and be, I wouldn't even say, obviously I'm jealous because we all want our teams to be up there. But I have to admire how Liverpool are moving, how their players are playing, how their players are standing up to be counted and not looking for excuses. You know, they've relished it. Liverpool's players have said, you know what, boom, the injuries are peak. But it is what it is, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to stand up to be counted. And I think that's the mark of a champion. And for Klopp, it's fantastic how, you know, his fighting spirit subconsciously is in every one of those players. You know, for Firmino, in that game, it looked like he weren't going to score. How many times was it pinball? And there was one time he did excellent. He sent, Fofana's a serious defender, but he got skinned all game in this game, people. Everybody's high, quick to praise these young players. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but when they get destroyed, they're silence. And, you know, he made himself more distinctive with his blonde hair Firmino cut him up bare times and Firmino should have probably scored more and the post was doing him dirty but you know he managed to score from from a from a header James Milner was killing me in his post-match Sky interview and, and whatnot James Milner's quite funny with that Firmino has scored two goals in Liverpool's five league games at Anfield this season he only scored once in 19 Premier League home games in the whole of 2019-20 a player of Firmino's standard and stature and just ability that's appalling Liverpool have conceded 16 Premier League goals this season, though. Some of it can be attributed to injuries, but went before their injuries, they still looked a bit shaky. Um, they're the only team... I'm sorry, they've conceded 16 Premier League goals this season. The only team to finish in the top four after conceding 16-plus goals in the first eight games in the Premier League was in 2011-12. Who is it, people? Any guesses? Any guesses? Any guesses? I'll give you a, I'll give you a, I'll give you a clue. It is a team that used to be mocked for finishing in the top four. A team that they used to say, death, 
taxes and a certain team finishing fourth. A manager that used to be told it's not good enough to finish fourth. It's Arsenal, people. We finished third in that season. What I'd give to say that now, people. So maybe if Arteta's listening to the DG podcast, there's some inspiration yet, my done. Um, Johnny Evans scored an own goal in the game, as you saw. You know, if I didn't say Liverpool won 3-0. With that own goal, it was his sixth in Premier League history. Only Richard Dunn with 10, Jamie Carragher with 7, and also Martin Skirtle with 7 have ever scored more own goals. Also, on the topic of James Milner, I have to give credit to James Milner. He was fantastic, people. He was all over the park. He grabbed an assist. You know, he doesn't moan. I think that was his first Premier League start. Obviously, he recognises that if everybody's fit, he probably doesn't start. But he's a certified member of that team. And I think James Milner's been a fantastic player in the Premier League. And people forget James Milner was a wonder kid of sorts. Not saying he was world-class in that, but my man's been playing since 16 or so. And, um when he made his debut and he's adapted you know his versatility is probably what's bought him some time and you know it's it might even go against him I'm sure he wanted to play midfield that was the reason he went to Liverpool and he's played all about the place the same way he did for Villa the same way he did for City you know he's been a terrific player and James Muller's a player I've always had a lot of time for if you look in depth at Liverpool's 64 home um, unbeaten record it's 53 wins 11 draws um, 34 clean sheets you know they've used 40 different players people 20 more than former record holders the former record holder and whatnot people so that's an interesting one away from that no zaha no party as you lot know sadly he's tested well he has to isolate for corona after coming into close contact with someone apparently he's in good health but it's a precaution obviously connor cody also didn't play no part for wolves in their draw with southampton yesterday burnley won one nil they got their first points of the season well first win of the season courtesy of a chris wood goal in the eighth minute um, and yeah, man, it does what it can to relieve some pressure off Sean Dykes. You're looking at Sean Dykes, you're looking at Chris Wilder for a sack race, people. You know, you could maybe even throw Oli and Arteta in there. And it was a crazy game. I'm sure Burnley are laughing. Now, Fulham just can't buy a win, you know. They they, they can't score a penalty either, you know. Caviero missed. He joins Mitrovic and Lukman all missing as well. Fulham have actually missed five of their last eight penalties in the league, people. The only positive is that you can say the scoreline looks a bit better at 3-2. Loftus-Cheek also got to score. But it showed the calamity, you know. I have to give credit to Everton's Dijane, you know. Dijane, you know. Fantastic crosser of a ball. You know, the move for, for Calvert-Lewin's um, goal, I believe. Was it the second goal, Everton's second? It was a fantastic goal. Was it Calvert-Lewin's? Either way, it was a, there was one goal. It was a fantastic Everton break. He also put in a lovely um, cross for Decore to head home. You know, they scored some good goals, man. Everton looked good, you know, going forward. It's just their issues defensively. They've conceded plus two goals in six consecutive Premier League games for the first time since October 2008. You know, and that's something Carlo Ancelotti has to firmly fix. I knew I was right, people, about um, a second goal. I meant Calvert-Lewin's goal. Um, there were 14 passes in the build-up to Calvert-Lewin's second goal against Fulham people and obviously at the time it made him the outright score in the Premier League and I think it still does with 10 goals big up the yard man Bobby Reed. he's I have to shout him out you know I have to shout all the yard man big up Ravel Morrison for playing for the reggae boys big up Leon Bailey you know big up Wes Morgan big up Bobby Reed because he's scored in back-to-back -back home league games for the first time since April 2018 for Bristol City hopefully if Bobby gets um if Bobby's team get relegated he can get another move um, such a typical J.A. name with the Bobby thing, <laughs> Bobby Six. Anyways, um, um, you, even looking at Dijane, since making his debut in the Premier League in August 2018, only Liverpool's fullback with 
Trent Alexander-Arnold with 26 and Robertson, one behind him in 25, have provided more assists in the competition among defenders. You know, what a good purchase he's been. And I wanted him when he was leaving Barcelona. I'm happy now with Tierney, but obviously it took quite the journey to get there, people. Um, Everton have won their last, two, their last two Premier League games in London, as many as they had in their previous 26, people. Um... You know, Man United beat West Bromwich Albion, you know, and, you know, death, taxes, deluded Guna videos and Manchester United being given penalties are some things that are always going to be here in life. United fans, allow me, I'm sour, you know. It is a bit comical how United are getting all of these all of these penalties. I felt a bit aggrieved for Furlong or who, I can't remember, was it Furlong? Whoever conceded the pen, you know. I see how that one's given, but then I look at the Arsenal game and I can't understand how we never got one, really. I didn't mention it in the Arsenal game, but can someone tell Hector Bellerin to pattern up his throws as well? Because he weren't the worst footballer, but I mean, I keep seeing him do foul throws and he's, he's a bit too old for that. But back to Manchester United, you know, Bruno Fernandes missed a penalty and, you know, their former keeper, Sam Johnson, wasn't on his line. Why, you know, I don't understand. I'm not, I, I do the penalties like Bruno, not to his standard, obviously, but I like that. But I don't see how, pen, how, how, Penalty takings because do a shut up, startled run up, and we're and then we're having a lot of scrutiny on the keepers. What do you expect them to do? The penalty was saved, um, you know, it was retaken. Bruno Fernandez made sure he put it home, and he con continued his goals. You know, United got the three points, but it is quite worrying. You know, the lack of creativity, the lack of building. You know, they did have a couple of chances they should have put home. They get the three points, and they're laughing, and they get a win at home, which hasn't been said too often. But you know. Like us, like us when we played United, they had to rely on a penalty, you know, they weren't really doing enough really and truly and I'm sure United fans won't be 100% happy but the fact is they got three points and they move in advance off the table, up the table, you look at Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool as an Arsenal fan, all of these teams took points, you know, they've been taking points where we've been messing about and we're still going to drop points this season so, you know, if any Arsenal fan, not that I did, but any Arsenal fan, if you think you can get top four, Please give me what you're smoking, people. I need that, man. Stardog is killing you. But, um, yeah, man. Half of Bruno Fernandes' Premier League goals for Manchester United have been penalties. Literally 50%, people. Seven of his 14. That's the highest ratio of any player to score for a club in the competition. Now, I know many people say, oh, look, he looks at penalties. He's up there for creating as well. Bruno has all his critics. But I will say, I do think penalties, it's almost like, People just think penalties are a given. I'm not saying you should scream and shout, but like I'm seeing things like strikers should have penalties taken away when you're considering a golden boot. I get it if it's head to head, but what if you know? What if someone like what if I'm Liverpool and let's just say, let's for argument's sake, I'm 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 Firmino and I've got 20 goals and Sergio Aguero's behind me with 20 goals, you know, and and 10 of mine are penalties and you know whatever five of his are penalties but we look at the 10 times that I've scored penalties five of those have been must win games games we're chasing or even a goal that decided the league so how do you quantify the importance of penalties it's an underrated skill you look at Letizia I could be wrong and obviously he was a bit before my time but didn't he only miss once in his career I could be capping I could be wrong penalties are R and R to be fair with you and Bruno seems to do them I think Bruno's missed like two now. Obviously, technically, he missed against West Brom and it was ruled out. But I'm sure he's missed another one. I could be wrong. Now, as I just mentioned, Chelsea. Chelsea are also laughing, people. At the end of the day, 2-0 victory against Newcastle. You know, Werner got an assist. Tammy Abraham obviously scored. I can't lie, people. I can't remember who actually got the other goal for them. Tammy got one. 
time he got was it an own goal i can't remember people i'm not even gonna cap because and i should have watched the game I, I did watch the game so i should remember i think kante was amazing in that game you know Werner looked good um you know chelsea are just going from strength to strength tammy is finding the back of the net you know he's doing what he needs to do since the start of last season tammy has scored 23 goals in all comps that's 11 more than any other player and that's where i mean by football's a squad game last season tammy had to carry chelsea on his back and you did see times he lost his form and whatnot and then Giroud helped out so when you've got Giroud or you've got a Werner and you've got tammy and they're all chipping in you know unless you're Messi, neymar and these sort of players i don't think a team should rely on a player per se um and they're doing quite well obviously you've seen Giroud's agent talk and Giroud talk about leaving but I'm sure as much as Lampard wants them to stay because he does give them something different if he leaves it is what it is you've got Ziyech there you know you might want to get another striker for the bench you've got Tammy who can be benched and uh, Werner through the middle Werner can be forced on the left terrific issues obviously with their keeper Mendy there's more confidence now he's got seven clean sheets in his last nine for Chelsea in all comps obviously he got his fourth in five games against Newcastle Kepa seems a distant memory people Werner if I didn't say it, has been directly involved in 11 goals in his last 10 apps in all comps eight goals and three assists Chelsea are unbeaten in six Premier League games winning three and drawing three only Spurs are on a longer current run in the competition. The Blues have netted at least three goals in five of those six games. So they're winning, keeping clean sheets and scoring goals. It's not perfect, but I'm sure Lampard is cool with that. Now, West Ham, before West, before I even speak about West Ham, big up Haller, Haller for that goal, man. That was a banger. You don't say he scores too too tough. Um, he scored for the first time from outside the box in his, in his top flight career, people. And that was his 190th appearance in the Eredivisie, Bundesliga and Premier League combined what a way to do it if you're not going to score often at least make it a spectacular one i guess people you can't complain with that logic you know big three points for west ham they go marching on chris wilder can't buy a win and if it was any other manager at any other club that wasn't you know i'm not saying chris wilder is wenger but it's a bit like a wenger thing at sheffield you know he's there he's their man sort of thing he's a prodigal son it's a bit like eddie howe and bournemouth it, 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 a lot has to happen before they depart there would probably be, I'm not saying there isn't scrutiny on Chris Wilder, but, you know, he probably would have lost his job. Um, Sheffield United sit rock bottom. You know, they gained a lot of plaudits for being difficult to break and hard to break down. Maybe they've been found out. Maybe there's poor form, but they're not able to really keep clean sheets and hold people out. We already knew that's bad and that's not sustainable. We know they're not the biggest of goal scorers. Apparently, they've only scored 39 goals all year in 2020, which highlights bringing in Brewster, trying to buy Balogun and the rest of it. Relegation is a big possibility for Sheffield and they're going to have to fix up in that regards, people. Big three points in the 1-0 victory for West Ham against Sheffield. Um, Brighton, obviously, 1-2-1. My guy, Danny Welbeck, scored a good effort, didn't he? You know, Danny Welbeck, you know, I'm sure he's got small hopes of getting called up for England. You know, he's scored five goals in his last five appearances in the league against Villa. He scored more top-flight goals against the Villains than he has any other side. So maybe he just loves playing against Aston Villa. Brighton have conceded nine goals from set pieces in the Premier League this season, more than any other side people. So I'm sure that's something for them to work on. Lampity was always also sent off, but it's a big three points for Brighton. You know, for Villa, it's maybe a, a, a small come down, coming back down to reality because they've been playing quite well of late. You know, they've got the result against Liverpool. They battered Arsenal, to put it nicely. You know, this is probably back down to earth. Um... 
sort of thing. And you obviously saw yesterday Southampton and Wolves drew 1-1. My guy Theo Walcott scored for his, 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 well, his new club, but old club Southampton again. You know, Southampton are unbeaten in seven consecutive Premier League games, winning five and drawing two. Last time they went on a longer run of eight, which was eight, was in November 2013. Um, as you lot saw, Wolves' Pedro Neto is very, he's a very good young player. I was watching him when he was at Lazio and the team before that, um, people. And he's doing well. Off the bench, he's somewhat a superhero for, for Wolves. And only Ebanks, Blake and Stephen Fletcher have scored more Premier League goals off the bench than Neto. And they've both had five. He had two. You'd back him to have that, people. Um, obviously, Theo Walcott, you know, it was 14, 14 years. Uh, well, yesterday, you know, his last goal for Southampton came yesterday. Before that, it was 14 years and 347 days. One came against Luton in 2005. One came in 2022 against... Uh, Man said 2022. 2020 against Wolves. Um, I don't want to... I want to make sure I'm not missing out any Premier League games, people, because it does feel like I am. And if I am, maybe it wasn't of any, re of any relevance. Let's check this real quick. So we spoke about Wolves. We spoke about Burnley. We spoke about Liverpool. We spoke about Leeds, sadly. We spoke about West Ham. We spoke about Fulham. spoke about West Brom and United. We spoke about Spurs, Everton and Villa and Chelsea. So I'm not missing out a game. So I'm just bugging out, people. Moving away from that, it's Europe this week, people. And I know there'll be no Benzema for Real Madrid. There'll be no Lionel Messi for Barcelona. So make of that what you will. But the Europe, the Europe's top competition is back, people. I'm not talking about the Champions League. I'm talking about the Europa League. That's where the real G's play, people. There's more games, you know. There's there's more teams in it. That's a harder competition to win, people. I don't even believe what I'm saying. I'm just trying to buy into the Europa League, people. The Premier League, the Champions League, sorry, is too mainstream. Now there's some interesting games to kick off, man. You've got Rennes versus Chelsea. You've got Kanzondor against Seville. You've got. Man United against Istanbul. You remember Istanbul beat them at their place. Dynamo Kiev against Barcelona. RB Leipzig against PSG. Club Bruges against Borussia Dortmund. Lazio against Zenit St. Petersburg. Juventus versus Ferran Karros. Olympiacos versus Manchester City. You know, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Shakhtar Donetsk. You've got Marseille against Porto. You know, the two games, I'm pro well, tomorrow, in fact, it's not even today. Liverpool against against Atlanta, that's a good one. You've got Inter versus Real. You've got Bayern Munich against Salzburg. That's your Bosley watch for any Arsenal fans. Atletico against Lokomotiv. You've got um, Ajax against uh, Michelin. So it's going to be an interesting one, people. It really is going to be an in, an, in, an interest an interesting one. And I just want to look at the Champions League groups, people, because I'm pretty sure that it's not a wavy thing. It's not a, it's not a wavy thing for everybody. Some people it's it's quite peak. You know, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, I'm sure either Real Madrid or Inter Milan, one of them right now are flirting with going out. Right now, Group A, you've got Bayern Munich first, Atletico Madrid second, Lokomotiv third, Salzburg fourth. So as much as you'd expect there. Atletico on four points, three games to play, people. So there's still a lot of football to be played in Europe's competition. Gladbach are top of Group B. Behind them is Shakhtar. You've got Real Madrid and then you've got Inter. And again, there's still a lot of football to be played, people. But, you know, the two people you'd expect to be running away with the group are not. Shakhtar have given a great account of themselves this Champions League campaign. Inter Milan are flirting with not being in any competition. Real Madrid dropping to the Europa puts a spanner in the works for Spurs and Arsenal because we're expecting teams, you know, to drop down. 
Group C is what you'd probably expect in City top. You've got Porto second, Olympiacos third. And three games in, the fact that Marseille have no points, I would have thought they'd do a bit better than that because last year they were doing all right domestically. It is what it is. Group D to be expected, man. You know, one person is going to miss out. Atlanta are third. They'll probably drop into the Europa League, which is problems for Arsenal. Michelin, rock bottom as expected. You've got Ajax in second. In fact, Atlanta and Ajax are tied on four points. You don't know. And Liverpool, obviously, top, you know, to be expected. What many people expected. Group E, Chelsea are top with seven. Seville tied them also on seven points in second. You've got Rennes in fourth. And third is Canzondo. Group F, you've got Dortmund and you've got Lazio, Club Brugge and Zenit. Group G, Juventus are second, Barca are first, Dynamo Kiev are third and then you've got Ferencaros, I can't say none of these names, in fourth. Group H, you know, PSG might be in the Europa League, they're third, Istanbul are fourth, um, Leipzig are second and Man United are running away with it with six points, you know, but at the same time, Leipzig and United are drawn for points, so it's all to play for and they've got it all to do in such people. Moving away from that, let's look at the Europa League and I won't bore you with the groups because there's really no need to look at such. There's bare games to play, as you can imagine. Tel Aviv play Villarreal, Una Emre's informed Villarreal. You've got Zora versus AEK Athens. You've got CSK Moscow versus Feyenoord. You've got Wolfsburg against Dynamo Zagreb. You've got Lebaric against Hoffenheim. You've got Red Star against Gent. You've got Braga against Leicester. Kat Yarabao against Sivospor. CSK Sofia against Young Boys. You know, Milan, AC Milan against Lille. LSK against Andep. Sparta Prague against Celtic. Um, Sparta, um, Sparta Prague. Um, Slavia Pra against Nice, PSG versus Pakal, Spurs welcome Ludigrets, um, Standard Liège against Liège Poznan, um, Cluj will play Roma, Rijek will play Napoli, Rangers against Benfica, Armonia travel to Granada, the Spanish side, Leverkusen play Behiva, I believe, can't say that name. And Dundalk in our group play Rapid Vienna. And you've got AZ Alkmaar against a really informed Real Sociedad as they're showing domestically in their group. Save the best till last. You've got Arsenal versus Mulder. And I won't get into it. That's one for the Arsenal preview. Make sure you're paying attention to my videos. Wednesday we'll preview the game. We've made every Europa League game so far. Though we've won it and got three from three, we've made it harder than it needs to be. You know, in the 22nd minute, Mulder took the lead. And then obviously we scored in, I think we scored just before half time. There was like two own goals. Joel Willock and Pepe obviously scored and made it 4-1 and business as usual. But can we keep a clean sheet? Can we put them to bed early? You know, we go against Wolves on Sunday, which again, make sure you're checking out and you're looking out for Friday's edition of the Deluded Podcast, where we'll preview the Premier League action to come. But you look at Wolves, they played on the Monday, you know, they're just, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they're now not going to play until Sunday. Obviously, there's going to be rotation, but we play on Thursday and then Sunday, so it's two games in a week. You know, we're going to, let's put this game to bed so we can rest any players that might have to be called upon, you know. I'm pretty sure Arteta's sick to the sight of Pepe right now, but he might have to use him. The same goes for William, if fit. In fact, William will probably get a day off. Or you're looking at Eddie Nketiah or someone like that to play out wide or Smith Rowe to come in because of the injuries. Opportunities are there. Hopefully young players can take them people. So there's a bag of football to be played, simply put. That's it in relation to the Europa League. Now, I'm sure you've all seen in other news, better yet, people, I'm sure you've all seen the news that we could be a step closer to moving back into the Premier League or going back to the Emirates for me. 
A maximum of 400 of, of sorry people a max I'm so excited a maximum of 4000 4, fans will be allowed at outdoor events in low risk areas when the four week lockdown in England ends on December the 2nd up to 2000 people will be allowed in tier 2 areas but none in tier 3 indoor venues in tier 1 and 2 can have a maximum of 1000 spectators with capacity across indoor and outdoor venues limited to 50% um, organised grassroots sports will be able to resume while gyms and leisure centres can reopen across all tiers. So my gym is open and AFC Edmonton are back to playing Sunday League, people. Get in! We're back to playing football. Um, my manager was talking about doubleheaders, so Sunday League is about to get gazy, but I'm happy it's all back, people. I'm happy it's all back because I know a lot of people are suffering mentally. Like, for me, it is quite hard not to be able to go to the gym. I've got a shoulder injury which affects my ability to lift weights and has been there since the start of lockdown. I probably need to go and get it checked out, and it's rather stupid, but I've been training on it to, with, to my detriment. But because my mental health can't go without gym for too long, I start feeling skinnier. And for me, it really, you know, I feel better. I feel healthier when I've gone to the gym. I feel in a better mood when I've worked out. The same goes for football for me and many people. And for me, it's the social aspect, you know. The gym, i got a lot of people, you know, i got a, I train with a lot of chest day. I don't really like to because the man, they are savage and it's crazy. But um, I've got a lot of like, um, I've got a Ghanaian brother in the gym. You know, his chest is bolo. I've got a Nigerian guy I do leg day with. I also do chest day with these with, with these Polish brothers as well. So, you know, it gets people talking, you know, um, you know, regardless of who you are, what you look like. It's a so it, gym is I don't like to say gym is social because it's not a social thing. And some people do do that. But I'm pretty sure a lot of you that go gym, you know, you get your little spuds in. You say a little walk ones to people. There's a little community there. I'm not saying you're all pally pally, but there's a community there sort of thing. And a lot of us are missing that people. So I'm happy to see we're going back to normal. Um, Obviously, we're still waiting for more to come from Boris Johnson in relation to the tears and whatnot. But in short, you know, that's it. So it means we can move forward, people. People can play certain sports which do not involve close proximity or physical contact against one person from another household, such as singles tennis matches in tier three areas indoor football indoor sport apologies will be restricted to within your household and only there and then should be it should be no group activities such as exercise classes apparently in in tier two areas indoor sport can take place within households and people can take part in group activity like exercise classes as long as there's no mixing between households Group activities such as training sessions and exercise classes can take part in large numbers provided that people are in separate groups of up to six people that do not mix. In tier one areas, indoor sports can take place within the rule of six. For example, people from different households could play three versus three volleyball or four people from different households could play doubles, tennis or badminton. So, yeah, man, make of that what you will. Um, the Premier League has confirmed eight positive corona tests among players and staff in its latest round of testing. A statement from the league said the Premier League can today confirm that between Monday the 16th of November and the Sunday the 22nd, 1,530 players and club staff were tested for COVID-19. Of these, there were eight new positive tests. 
players or club staffs who have tested positive will self-isolate for a period of 10 days. Um, you know, between COVID, between international breaks, the fixture schedule is killing us people. And Jurgen Klopp's been leading the charge. And I'm sure you all saw, or might not have seen, because Sky wouldn't have been too happy, his little segment in which he said teams probably will struggle to play 11 players unless broadcasters talk to each other about the fixture schedule. He said... Everybody, t and he's too right, you know, big up Jurgen Klopp for what he's saying. But he said, everybody tells me it is difficult, but it's really difficult for the players. The rest is just a decision on a desk in the office. BT and Sky have to talk. If we keep playing, if we keep playing on Wednesday and Saturday, 12.30, I'm not sure if we'll finish the season with 11 players. If someone tells me again about contracts, I will go really nuts because contracts were not made for a COVID system season. Facts. You stand here with a face mask, we adapt. Everything's changed, but the contract with the broadcasters is still, is still nope. We have this, so we keep this. What's changed? What? Everything's changed. The world, the whole world has changed. I am discussing this completely calm. But then, but they say I talk about Liverpool. I don't. I talk about the football players out there. Yesterday, um, Barcelona's Gerard Piquet, massive knee injury. You saw that. And he also said as well, today... Um, Bakayo Saka, I'm not sure, but it looked like a knee injury. He played all three games for England in the international break. You obviously had Partey as well, and there's been several other injuries, you know, during the last international break that's just recently gone. What have you seen, Gomez and Trent? So it's an issue, people, that everybody's facing, you know. Even Henderson had a little knock. People tell us to re rotate, but who? We have we have offensive players we could rotate, but the rest are kids, you know, and kids have to get chance, but at the same time, you have to be able to fill the competitive squad. Um, and he also said why why we change late in relation to the two subs he made in the 89th minute is because we have to constantly think that someone will go down with a muscle injury. We cannot change early because if the other one has a muscle injury, you end the game with nine players. Um, and it's facts, people. It's facts. And he also said we will show up there in relation to Brighton and said we will be shaking. I think about sending the points. That is how it is because we go there and we lose the game. You know, as you lot know, for Liverpool, in the 71 days since Liverpool's season started on the 12th of September, they've played 15 games with two international breaks in between. They've played a game in either the EFL Cup or Champions League in every midweek outside international weeks since the 20th of September, which shows you how crazy things are. And I agree wholeheartedly with what he's saying about things need to change. Um, Jack Grealish, who's in the in the papers for the right reasons and doing the right things on and off the field, sadly is now in the papers for something else. Apparently, he's facing a fourth motor in charge after allegedly driving carelessly near the club Aston Village training ground last month. West Midlands police in June said that Grealish, and this is in June, so it's fine, had been charged with three offences, including failing to stop at the scene of an accident connected to an incident during lockdown on the 29th this year. Was that when he had the rave? Apparently, Grealish was charged with driving his Range Rover carelessly at the scene in Dickens Heath near Solly Hill and failing to report the incident in which the damage was caused to a Citroen van and a Mercedes. So hopefully there's a resolution to that. Hopefully everybody's safe and nobody's been seriously harmed in that. I'm sure you've all seen Mr. Eight-Year Contract he's famous for at Newcastle. Former Newcastle manager Alan Pardew has joined Bulgarian side CSK Sofia as their technical director, people. This follows his previous role where he was at Dutch club Den Haag. He obviously, the season, last season, Eredivisie-wise, was cancelled due to corona and he was let go, people.
pardon me. Obviously, he returns in an unusual role and it's his first director role within football. Obviously, he's managed eight times during his career. Um, they've, you know, the team he joins have won 31 Bulgarian titles but are without one since 07-08. Apparently, the club said in relation to Pardew, now he's part of the Big Red Army or the family. He said he will help with his vast experience and contacts in overall development of the club and attract players to the representative team. So maybe they're looking to get clubs, players that are based in England or based in Holland, you know, to improve them and whatnot, people. Um, I know a lot has been made in relation to dementia and banning heading, and I do think kids shouldn't head. I think one good byproduct of that is we'll have even more technical-based footballers. But apparently, you know, there's a reason to not header in training, and there's been a lot of talk over that. And apparently, the PFA have said players support claims to ban heading in training. You know, for me, I, I don't like heading, and I'm a fullback. I'm I'm not the tallest, so you can imagine. But I can understand it. Why give these players more harm than possible? If data supports it, then ban heading. You know, only header if you need to in match days. Um, finally, people, a bit of a weird one, but I've always, I'm sure you've seen Preston and former Celtic player Darnell Fisher has been charged by the Football Association after appearing to grab the genitals of Sheffield Wednesday's Callum P Patterson during Preston's championship game on Saturday. It is alleged that in this incidents which took place during the 62nd minute and was not seen by match officials at the time cons constitutes a contravention of an FA rule E3. And it did look a bit weird. Why are you trying to touch up an X-Man's piece? Really and truly, it did look a bit weird. Obviously, it's done to rattle, but it is a bit of a weird one. But with that, you know, that's all I've wanted to speak about. I've really enjoyed the 55 minutes with you guys. Like I said, I'll be back for the Deluded podcast on Friday. You know, there'll be a lot of Champions League and Europa League football by then to be played. So make sure you're watching that. Make sure you're following me on Spotify and all the other outlets. Make sure you're obviously subscribed on, on, on YouTube and you're following on Twitter and the rest of those. All information is in the bio, you know. I mean, as man said, bio, I'm used to YouTube and Twitter now all in the description you know i'll see you lot again hopefully i've given you lot something to think about or provided some quality in these 55 minutes if not i apologize as usual it's a pleasure to speak to you lot man please stay safe dg i'm out see you soon